Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you, and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Fantastic. Welcome today. We had a great, great service in the first service and uh, just really believe God's going to speak to you today. I have a great expectation. Almost fell over then. I had a great expectation. <laughs> that God wants to speak to you. In fact, I was standing down there in the worship in this service and it's very unlike me. I'm probably the only one in my whole family that doesn't cry much. Uh, I'm the only one who can hold it together. I get to do all the funerals. I get to do all the things because I'm the only one that can just keep it together. But I was standing there today and uh, I was just overcome with some emotion, which is very rare for me. So uh, it was a new experience and uh, I'm gonna drink some more water. I lost a lot of water. Um, but I really had this great sense that today God wants to really activate people's lives and hearts in a new way, a way that is for the nations, a way I just sense God wanting to put His hand upon people. I really feel it today, and I, and I felt God say to me, He says, you know, actually, I, I put an apostolic anointing on you. See, when uh, when Pastor Jane comes and preaches next week, she's gonna cry and she's gonna prophesy and she's gonna preach and it's gonna be incredible. I used to ask God, I want those gifts too. It just takes me three weeks of fasting to get one prophecy. So I just realised it wasn't a gift. It was the result of hard work. But what happens when I speak and when I pray for people, something grows on them. For some reason, when I pray for people, they become leaders. They don't get healed, but they become leaders. Some get healed, but you know what I'm saying? They become leaders. And I feel in this room today, and I feel those watching today, that God's gonna activate. And the way God activates is through His voice. It says, God says, let there be light, and boom. Suddenly come, light comes into being. God creates by the power of His mouth, by the power of His voice. And I really feel today that what God's gonna do as I speak is God's gonna create through the words that are spoken, the words of God through a human vessel. He's gonna activate something spiritual and powerful inside of you. In fact, I, I wanted to pray for your son, Tony. I really feel like there's a call of God in his life. Where is he? And uh, where's the young man? Don't wanna call him out, but I just, I just really believe. What's your son's name? Liam, that's right. I keep forgetting all the kids' names. I can't even remember my own kids' names. I don't know if you're a parent in the house, if you like me at all, whether it's just something that I do, but I always call Benjamin Mark, and I always call Mark Nathan, and I always get the three kids up. So they started calling me Russell. <laughs> so they just started calling me Russell. And so every time I say Benjamin, he says, yes, Russell. And I'm talking to Mark, he says, yes, Russell. I talked to Nathan, I meant to talk to Mark, he says, yes, Russell. So. I don't do it with the grandkids, but with the kids, for some reason, I just get really confused. It's just, uh, for some reason, maybe it's just, it's been like this since I was 25 years of age, by the way, just so, uh, in case you're wondering. But I just really felt on Liam, there's a real call of God on your life to see a real purity in your heart. And uh, God's got His hand on your life to be a very powerful young man. And I just really believe that you're gonna see as you become a teenager, an older teenager, that God's gonna use you and gonna release gifts in your life. And I just sense there's been a lot of prayers over you and there's gonna be a real gift. Uh, so get ready, get ready, get ready. It's gonna be awesome. Really feel, I want you to get ready today. I want you to be expectant. I really believe God wants to drag us out of the past and out of the present and get our eyes firmly fixed 
on the future. The future is where you're going, the past is where you've left. The present is where you're passing through, but the future is what you're aiming at. And so I wanna talk to you today that in in my capacity that God has gifted me and to speak to stir up what is inside of you. And uh, we're starting a brand new series today called uh, Follow Your Dreams, They Know The Way. You know, at seven years of age, Mozart wrote his first symphony. Think about it, seven years of age. At 14, country singer Leanne Rimes won her first Grammy Award. At 16, Shane Gould from Australia won three Olympic gold medals. At 17, Joan of Arc, think about it, 17, Joan of Arc led an army in defence of France. At 20, Debbie Fields founded Mrs. Fields Cookie Company. At 21, Fred DeLuca co-founded Subway with just $1,000. At 43, John F. Kennedy ran for the US presidency and won. At 45, boxer George Foreman, who by the way named all his kids George, seven sons called George. Very interesting, so never forget their names. George Foreman regained the heavyweight championship of the world. That's a very smart thing for a boxer to do. At 46, Jack Nicholas won his sixth Masters tournament. At 57, Ray Kroc founded McDonald's. At 62, Colonel Sanders devoted himself entirely to Kentucky Fried Chicken, now called KFC, so we're not sure if it's chicken anymore. But anyway, at 83, architect Frank Lloyd Wright was asked, which of his masterpieces was the best? My next one, he said. At 80, Moses in the Bible began leading his nation for the first time. At 86, Ruth Rob Farb ran the Boston Marathon in just over five hours. And when asked about it afterwards, she said this, you know, you lose a lot of speed between 80 and 86. And uh, she was complaining about her time. But all these people achieved incredible things. People that you've heard of because they're now famous, but people who were just ordinary beforehand. And I wanna talk to you today about how God activates His purpose in your life. And dreams and visions are the language and the realm of the fourth dimension, the language and the realm of the supernatural, the realm and the language of the Holy Spirit. And God speaks into our natural His desires for our future. I want you to put up your hand. If you're watching online, you can do it as well, but also in the room, whether you have a desire for God to activate dreams inside of your heart and life. Come on, put up your hand if you have a dream, okay? Because uh, God wants to give you one if you don't. And so the world of visions and dreams is the gift of God to us. You can run an ordinary life and just get by and do things and live off your pension and live off your family benefits or whatever it is and have a job. And that's awesome. But God has something far greater than that for you and that is to go on top of that life and that is His dreams and His vision. He wants to impregnate you with something about your future that you don't know about right now. Acts 2 says this, in the last days God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. So I'm still seeing visions, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) And so think about the last few years, COVID has robbed us of so much. You know, I've often thought back, uh, and of course there's no comparison really, but I've often thought back about people who lived through World War II and how the war robbed five years and much, much more. But of people that weren't involved in the war, it still robbed them of 
a half a decade of their life or longer. COVID has robbed people. You know, it's kind of like I was a young man before COVID and now I'm an old man after COVID. How did that happen? In the blink of an eye, right? And so how does that happen? But what we know is this, is that COVID has caused people to be forever changed. Our society is forever changed. It's been accelerated by COVID. COVID was a real thing that really hurt people. I was at the bedside of a, a man from our Alpharetta campus in uh, September, just gone a few months ago, as he breathed his last. He had been on a ventilator for 10 months after contracting COVID. And, uh, and I stood at his bedside and he, and he had been on a ventilator. I didn't want to go back on the ventilator, so he was on a CPAP machine and, and he'd just gone downhill over a few days and uh, I was there and I, and I said to him, I whispered in his ear through the loudness of the noise in the room from the, from the machines. And I said in his, in his ear, I said, Sam, you have fought an incredible fight. One of the things we need to know is like a revelation just went off in my mind when I was in that room. So often we think of faith as the fight to win and succeed in a natural way. God doesn't care whether you succeed in a natural way. Of course, you know, to some degree He does, but he, He's not concerned with that. He's concerned with how you fight the fight of faith. He cares about what you do because what you're doing in the fight of faith is laying up for yourself the treasure in heaven. You're laying up for yourself in eternity everything that you need. It's the fight of faith. And I said to him, I said, and I haven't said this before to a person in, in, in this situation, but I said to him, I said, Sam, you have fought an incredible fight. I've watched you. I've visited you many times when the doctor said it was over and you have fought the fight of your life and you have been victorious in that fight. And I want you to know, I feel God saying to me that you have a choice to make today and we don't want you to fight for us. If you wanna keep fighting, we'll fight with you. But if you feel like you've run your race, you feel like you've fought enough and you've won, I want you to tell Jesus just as you're lying there, I want you to tell Jesus. Well, he couldn't talk. Obviously, he had this, this, his, his face covered in masks and so on. And literally 30 minutes later, monitor goes down, heart rate drops, and then suddenly he passes away. And he had made his decision. It's that fight of faith. Hebrews 11 talks about those that fought faith and you know, you know, part of the Red Sea and did all great things. And then those, those who died for their faith and died in faith. And it's about the quality of our faith. And part of the way that God activates our faith is through dreams and vision. Part of the way that God gets us unstuck from a previous situation is dreams and visions. Now, I believe in therapy. I believe in counselling. I was a counsellor for many, many years. I believe in all that stuff. And so often though, we're spending so much time dealing with the past regurgitating the past, going over and over the wounds of the past that are prevalent in our day-by-day -day life, the symptoms of that. And what I've discovered, and I know for myself, having been through some very, very, very shocking things in my own life as a child and things that uh, have debilitated me uh, for a long, long time, that it wasn't the therapy that helped me. Yes, it did help me. I wanna make that clear. It did help me, but it was the dream of the future that dragged me out of the yesterday and the past and the problems. What helped me with what happened was not to try to fix what happened, but was to look to a glorious future, to look to a grand future, to get a dream and a vision from God to chase after with all our hearts and with all my heart. 
heart. And that's been my experience. Yes, I needed help to unlock the deep wells of hurt and pain in my life and rejection and the things that get hold of us, but it was to get hold of a vision for the future and a dream from God that will propel your life like, like a, uh, you know, like a, like with so much fuel that you, you just keep on going and keep on going. Nothing draws you forward like a dream enticing you to forget the past. It helped Joseph. Joseph's the quintessential dreamer. The potency of his dream helped him overcome every difficulty, the rejection of his brothers, the beat down bitterness in his heart that enabled him to keep true to his values, changed his family and made him so resilient that nothing could break him. I think one of the things missing in our world today is resilience. I see people are so weak. There's no resilience in people because what we're doing is we haven't found the answers of Jesus, and I'm not talking to the church, I'm talking to the world at large. We haven't found the answers of Jesus in our heart. So now because our therapies don't seem to be working, we now have kind of idolised offence and pain. And now you are celebrated if you're in pain. You're not celebrated for getting over pain, which is how it's supposed to be. You're celebrated if you are in pain, if you got offended or celebrate your offence. That person should have done it. And it's prevalent in the world today. And all that does is make for a sick world. It does not make for a happier world or a better world, but for a sick world that just gets sicker and sicker because the more I revel in my past or the more I sit in my present, the more I'm stuck. And God wants me to get moving on a journey towards my destiny. And so this is what Joseph wrote because he was an overcomer. 13 years of trouble, trials, rejection, uh, hurt, pain, imprisonment, slavery, everything you could think of went wrong in Joseph's life for 13 years, but he never, never, ever gave up. And so he named his son. This is how awesome God's therapy how awesome vision is as a therapy for our lives. He says this in Genesis 41, verse 51. God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. Who would like to forget all of the hardship that's ever happened to you, right? This is how you forget. You forget by running towards the dream God has for you. Every day in the prison, thinking of the dream. Every day in the pit, thinking of the dream. Every day being accused falsely for sexual misconduct that he hadn't done. Suddenly able to just look to God, unfairly treated, but able to look forward. Why? He had a dream. God's antidote to the world's unfairness is a dream. God's remedy for all the offence, the abuse, the trouble, the failures, the rejection is a dream. He wants you to have a dream. There are so many things trying to drag us from our dreams. Rejection. I've had so much rejection in my life and tried to drag me from my destiny, but a dream wouldn't let me quit. Failure tried to knock me off course, but vision stabilised me. Fear, I wrote a book about fear, because that's been a lifelong battle for me. Fear tried to block me, but vision was too strong a force, and I surrendered to its power. Opinions tried to shut me up and tell me I'd never make it, but vision yelled louder. Betrayal tried to make me quit. And the truth is this, every person will be betrayed. 
If Jesus was betrayed, you will be betrayed. I have been betrayed. The question is not whether you can avoid betrayal because you can't. The question is what you do when you're betrayed. And the question is simply this, can you rise from the dead? Betrayal kills something in your heart, but God wants to raise you with supernatural power like Jesus was raised from the dead after being betrayed. He rose again. Can you rise again? That's the great question. And I wanna encourage you to rise again. You see, shame tried to make me retreat too, but vision pushed me through the barriers. Sexual temptation tried to distract me, but vision steered me clear of the trap. Such is the power of dreams and vision. Anywhere, anytime, and at any age. Whether you're 15, whether you're 45, whether you're 75, dreams and visions are a part of your life. And the day you run out of dreams and the day you run out of vision is the day you run out of life. The Bible says it this way, without a vision, people perish. Without a dream, people perish. In other words, once the dream dies, so does life. Does that make sense? So does the quality of life, it dies. We need to be filled with dreams. In this series, over the next three weeks, uh, I'll be doing part one today, part two next week, Pastor Jane, and then part three, Pastor Josh or somebody is gonna be doing part three. We're gonna teach you how to turn dreams into reality because to get motivated about dreams is one thing. To know how to physically and mentally and intellectually and spiritually process it so that the incubation turns into a baby is the is the power of this series. And so it's gonna be a very exciting time. I remember being introduced to the idea of dreams when I was 15 years of age. I'm a very analytical person um, and I'm a thinker, a very deep thinker. I ask those questions, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why is that like that? I wanna know how that works. Why is that like that? And I was 15 years of age, we lived in Gillis Plains, and I went to a school they've now demolished and I don't think it was because I was there. I think uh, they made way for housing development. And uh, remember on my way to school, in those days you'd walk to school or ride your bike to school and I, I was walking to school down to Strathmont High School and I had my bag on my back and I was in year 11. I was playing football, I was addicted to football, I was doing well in football in high school and, and winning all the trophies and so on and I really had a passion to play AFL. I wanted to go in that direction. And I was walking on my way to school and I just started to daydream. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I think I did a lot of daydreaming. Some of those teachers are so boring, all I did was daydream, right? Uh, or maybe I just didn't wanna learn, I don't know what it was. But I was walking to school and as I was walking down the road, I remember just daydreaming. And in my daydream, just as in my mind, Sometimes we think of dreams like, oh, it's gotta be this vivid dream in my sleep or it's gotta be a vision that I see in front of me like the LED wall behind me. But really, daydreaming and desires is how God normally speaks into our heart. I'm not one of those guys that has lots of dreams. I think my brain's going too fast and needs to be shut off. And so therefore, I don't get it. But some people get dreams. I wish I was you, but I'm not. So I have to daydream instead. And uh, God's used daydreams in my life uh, in, in, a, in a very powerful way. Never dismiss daydreams, right? And so I was walking to school and I just daydreaming and what I saw, which is, you know, kind of, I ignored uh, because it was so fantastical to me, so obviously different to the pathway I was headed on. I saw myself preaching to thousands of people. Now I didn't wanna preach. 
I had no desire to preach at that point, at least not that I was aware of. And I saw myself preaching, literally in an auditorium like this, and I was preaching to thousands of people, and, and then the daydream finished, and I walked into school, and I started my math lesson, or whatever it was, and uh, that night I went to a church service, we were at Clemsig in those days, and I went to the church service, and, and uh, and the guy that was preaching that night was a midweek service, unusual kind of midweek service meeting. We didn't normally have those and it was on that particular night. And I went along to the meeting and forgotten all about the daydream. I'm sitting up in the balcony, hung, uh, messing around and stuff with the young people and the girls that were up there. And I think Krista uh, Menelau was up in the balcony at that point, other people that I could name off. And uh, uh, he then had an altar call. And he said, all those that want healing, come forward. Well, at that face, my face resembled a pepperoni pizza, you know. There were so many pimples and massive, I mean, I literally could have fueled all of South Australia for a week from the oil from my face. And uh, so I actually went down the front for God to heal me of my pimples, my acne. Can you believe that? I can believe God for acne to be gone. I prayed for that for many years. I had it for a long time. And so I remember going down and I was literally, it was like uh, there were 400 people kind of on the floor, standing room only. And I was over in the corner, like right over here on the pastor's son. I, I don't want him to know me. I don't want to be taught. Of course, I don't want to be asked what I'm coming forward for prayer for. So I don't have something, some serious illness. I just have acne and I want God to heal this teenager's acne. <laughs> Uh, very important at my age. So uh, I go down the front, he's walking along and he comes off the stage and he's walking down the middle and he stops and he looks over and he says, that blonde headed kid over there, I had blonde hair by the way when I was younger, blonde hair, flowing locks of blonde hair. And so uh, he said, that young man, and I was packed in deep, maybe five or six metres away and he says, bring him over here. So I come over and, I, and I'm standing there and he goes, God's put into your heart since you were a little boy the desire to preach. As you're getting older, it's becoming more and more manifest to you. You're gonna preach God's Word and nobody's gonna stop you from doing it. And God's been confirming it to you. And he went on and on. I could almost quote it verbatim, what he said. I've listened to it many times. And, uh, and of course, I suddenly felt very different from everybody else. I'm like, no, I didn't want this. I wanna be a footballer. I want you to heal my acne, mate. Just heal my acne. And then let me get back to football. But he starts to prophesy about my future. There's desire inside of me is to dream, is to preach. And so I go home and of course, first thing my dad does is sit me down and says, now, Ashley, I just wanna teach you how to test words from God. I said, great. So we have a theological session with my dad as he goes through the Word of God, teaching me how to discern whether this is from God or this is from man. How do you know? Because sometimes you, know, you need to know. And so... Uh, he said, look, normally when God gives you a word, it confirms what you've already felt in your heart. Well, I didn't feel to preach. Uh, and, and so he said, did anything confirm? Has anything happened to you? I said, well, not really. I said, oh, hang on. I did have a strange daydream today. I was dry, walking to school just a few hours ago and uh, I started seeing myself preaching. But of course, that's, that's dumb. I'm gonna be a footballer. And he says, actually, I think that might be God. And so right there in the midst of that, God birthed something. Now I backslid for three months because I felt so different from all the other kids. I'm like, I don't wanna be different. I'm not the guy that wants to stand out. I'm the guy who wants to blend in, right? And so uh, I backslid for those three months. But I caught on to the idea of dreams as a teenager as a way of God speaking. Of course, now I'm living out the dreams that God gave me at 15. Many decades later, I'm living them out. 
because God gives me dreams as something to draw me towards a future that He has planned for me. Sometimes they come vividly, sometimes they come with daydreams, sometimes they come with desires, but I've got to take notice of them. And I really feel coming out of COVID, God wants to activate dreams because it's like we put, the, we put our life's record on pause for those couple of years. Just avoid the plague. And you know, it, 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 anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> Except to say, there are people still stuck. As I said before, I know it's real. I've been at the bedside of people dying of COVID, so I know it's real. But I'm telling you something, people also get so filled with fear and so stuck in their lives and God wants to re-energise you with a dream. But here's the thing about dreams, God has to be the centre for His dreams to work. You know, you can work, you can work hard to fulfil your natural dreams, but those supernatural things, those big things, those impossible things have to be God-centred. And they require faith and require strong resilience and an authenticity and a depth of relationship with God. Only God can make those things happen. And I was thinking about this the other day and I thought there is a connection because when I was 15 on the way to school in year 11 and I had that daydream, it came after, I hadn't put those things together for many years, but, I, but it came after a three-week stint where a friend of mine at school who used to do the paper, uh, the paper selling on Grand Junction Road, just up the top of the hill at Walkley's Heights there, he'd stand there every day, and remember the old days when you'd drive past and the paper boy would be standing at the side of the road and you'd pull, pull in and you'd grab a paper and give him his 25 cents and whatever, well, I became that paper boy for three weeks. This guy went on holidays and I was there for three weeks. Every day I was standing, look, you know, God, give me a tip, give me some extra money, drop some, no, I wasn't doing that. But I had nothing to do for hours. So I'm standing there just handing out papers and for some reason, God began to activate this hunger in me to pray to God. And I started saying, God, what do you wanna do with my life? I'm 15 years of age. What do you wanna do with my life? Whatever you wanna do, God, I want you to do it. Would you show me what you wanna do with my life? And this hunger, I didn't even realise, I would have never spent two hours a day praying at 15, but because I was stuck by that bus stop at the top of Walkley's Road, I had two hours to kill time, and so somehow it gave me the time and the moment to pray, and I began to pray into my future. I said, God, I want you to show me whatever you want me to be, I'll be, whatever it is, just show me. Three weeks later, walking on the way to school, get a daydream, boom, that night, guest speaker, pulls me out the crowd, doesn't heal my acne, but gives me a dream for the future. That's how God works, right, with dreams. Only if God is at the centre, things happen. You know, when I think about my life today, you know, uh, Pastor Jane and I, obviously in America, and there's only one reason that we're there, there's only one reason, the reason is because God wants us to be there. And here's the reason why God wants us to be there. It's because God has asked us to establish a church planting system. See, when God wanted to get love to the world, He created families. That's why the devil tries to break up families. When God wanted to get love to us as believers, He created churches. Churches are called the family of God. I come from a generation where my parents were missionaries and so were my grandparents. And they were just sent out 
My uncle and aunties were grandparents, and uh, my uncle and aunties were uh, missionaries in Africa, and my grandparents were missionaries in India for 30 years, and my mum and dad were missionaries in Papua New Guinea, and right through my whole family, our whole family has an international flavour about it. It's been in lots and lots of countries, in Asia, in Africa, you know, in Papua New Guinea, it's been all over the place. And, uh, and so God began to speak to me and began to talk to me about my future. And he said, you know, and I realised that missionaries back in the day, we just sent missionaries out and go, good luck. Do three and a half years, come back on furlough, furlough and, you know, raise some more money, get around to churches, raise some support, rah, rah, rah. Well, I just think there's a better way than all that. Number one, I do believe in Indigenous planning, so I believe very strongly in that way. But I, I feel God say to me, Ashley, I've given you a dream a vision for the church that I've put you in charge of, that you would take the gospel to the four corners of the globe, but you wouldn't just send random money here, random money there, random missionaries here and there. What you would do is that you would take and plant churches in every corner of the globe. I don't mind sending missionaries, but they've got to plant churches and they've got to leave behind church buildings. And so what God has said to me is, is, listen, I want you, what I've learned, I cannot explain to you. When you're in God's will, you learn so much. I'm not in America because I love being in America. Pastor Jane can't hardly eat any of the food. She's allergic to most of the food. She, she almost cries and gets on the floor when she finds some bread in Adelaide. You talk to any of the staff, she really does. I can eat this. Right, she's become allergic to all these things. It's not easy, right? The life expectancy of Americans is five years less than Australians. You know, you can't buy, any, get any good coffee anywhere. Well, there's a few places coming up now, but you know what I'm saying? So it's not like, oh, I wanna go. No, what God has done is opened my brain to so much knowledge living in that place because He asked me to create a system. I'm not living in a dream for today. I'm living in a dream for today, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. What I'm about is creating something that lasts the passage of time and does what God's asked us to do, which is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Well, guess what? I was happy just to stay in Adelaide and have my Balfour's donut and my Farmer's Union ice cream and to go along to the swimming pool and enjoy my life. God disrupted it all because He said, I want to put a dream in your heart for the nations. The dream I put as a child, I want you now to go to the nations. And so part of, you know, all of us, and this is the way I thought about it, is all of us have had injections, you know, had you know, vaccinations or whatever. And think about the person that invented the needle, invented the, the injection, the, the device that transports, whether it's cocaine into your veins or whether it's the COVID vaccine uh, into your veins. It's a delivery system. You can put anything in it and it delivers it to your body. Well, I felt like God's saying, I want you to create a delivery system for the gospel. I want you to build something that doesn't, doesn't matter what happens in politics or what happens in these things. You'll be able to deliver the gospel to every nation in a way that leaves behind a legacy for 100 years. So I'm not over there just having a good old time, everybody. I know you know that, but here's the thing. I'm trying to create a system and it's happening. It's happening. A system by which our church 
in the next 100 years, we've just celebrated 100 years, I believe we'll have thousands, thousands of churches that came out of this place. And I felt this morning, I was on the front row, that God was gonna lead people in this room. One of the things I wanna stir up in your heart right now is Asia. I really felt God speak to me uh, through Dr. Mike Maiden and through other things about Asia. Our plan has always been this, that America would be the launching pad to Europe and to South America, and Australia would be the launching pad to Asia, and between us we'd launch into Africa and the other continents of the world. And I just wanna say there are people in this audience, there are people that are watching from each campus that you have relatives and ties in Asia, whether it's the Philippines or Malaysia or Indonesia, wherever it might be. Indonesia is the first step to us going into all of Asia. And imagine if people in this room who had families and relatives and cousins and uncles and aunties and people you know in those countries. Imagine what we could do in the next five years. Imagine what could happen in the next few years if we just rose up. There are people. I'm gonna prophesy. There are people in this room that God's called to mission work. You don't even know it yet, but I'm speaking it into your life today. You're watching from a campus and God's called you to missions work to touch the world. God's gonna use Adelaide like He used Nazareth to spread the gospel of Jesus to the world and around about us. And so if you have a passion for that, allow it to soak in, allow it to, to burst into a dream. Sure, it'll be scary. It was scary for me. In fact, it was actually more exciting than scary. It was really just, wow. Imagine if we can do this. Nobody else is doing this. Amazing. I can just tell you story after story. We don't have time, but I just want to say this. I said this to our Alpharetta campus, which is one year old, and God's doing amazing things in that campus. And I said, I said one Sunday morning, I said, I'm sharing about the vision for the world. So it's a real sacrifice, as you got to understand. It's a real sacrifice for me to be here. And I wasn't trying to get them to make feel sorry for me, I was just sharing my heart. Because people look at you and they make judgments or you know, have impressions. I yearned and lived for the day and lived in the days and years and decades preaching to paradise. Preaching in our other campuses but preaching in this room and to leave that opportunity to go to preach to 100 and preach to 50 and preach to 500 and preach all these things. All of those are valuable, understand that. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. But to give it up, give up my love to pursue the will of God. And while it brings me emotion sometimes, I normally don't even think about it, why? Because wherever the dream has taken me, it's made me happy. And whether I'm speaking to 50 people or 20 people in my house or whatever it might be, I've had more people through my house in the last 10 years than I've had through my house in my whole life. People living, people coming through. It's like a halfway hostel for people to come in and out of thousands and thousands of people, literally thousands of people have been through my house, right? And God bless us to be able to have that happen through our house. I never saw that happening. It's changed me, shaped me, all these things that have taken place. And wherever you go, this is the amazing thing about God, even though that's a massive sacrifice to me, it is bigger than you could ever imagine. This is my home. Because it's the dream and the will of God, He brings the joy that passes all understanding. I don't think about that maybe once in 10 years, I've thought about it and I realise, wow, 
that's what I miss so much. And the Balfour's donuts and the iced coffee. But I miss this. But when God gives you a dream, you kind of don't. You do from time to time. It's like being away from your parents. You, you miss them, but then when you see the eye, it's fantastic. But then you get on with a dream that you're pursuing. It's a bit like that. And so, you know, so for me, that dream, just to see these campuses, and right now in this Alpharetta campus, there's over 150 people from Brazil that have moved to the US, either senior VPs for big companies or CEOs or whatever, moved into this area. And, uh, and, and I just believe we're gonna plant a church in Brazil. I can just see it because I said, God, you're going to plant out of the churches that we build. We're not gonna just send people to a foreign place. I wanna send people from that place who came to a foreign place back to their place to be able to pastor and and so on and lead in that place. And I believe there are people in this room, people that are watching from the campuses, that God's stirring up. It's time, it's time. COVID is over, the morning has arrived. It's time to look forward. And I know we're doing that in spades and it's phenomenal to see. You know, it's a funny story, you know, look back. Because when I was about to get married, when I was engaged to Pastor Jane, we were obviously having all these conversations about the future and, and I knew she had a heart for missions. Well, I had said and vowed and declared I would never do missions. <laughs> My grandparents had been missions. They, every, see, anyone who put, when, you become a, when you're a pastor's kid, you either have a good life or a bad life. I had a bad life, I can promise you. And what would happen is everybody had an opinion about your life. Tick off from here, you don't belong here. That's one opinion. Another opinion is you should be a missionary like your grandfather. Shut up, I wanna do my own life. You can tell a little bit of the flesh hasn't died yet. I need more therapy, I need more vision. No, my point is everybody had an opinion for you. You should stop doing that, you should start doing that, you should marry that, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's got an opinion. Keep your opinions away from Pastor Josh and Shana's kids, please other than real positive, encouraging opinions. Right, but everyone's got an opinion. My grandparents had an opinion, you're gonna be a missionary. My uncle, you're gonna be a missionary. Be quiet. I'm just gonna be a missionary to Adelaide. That's where I'm gonna be. That's my home. Come on, Gillis Plains. Come on, Dernacourt. You know, I'm called here. So, you know, and I'm getting married to Pastor Jane and she says, I said, I can tell you've got a desire to be a missionary or something. You're not saying too much, but I'm smarter. I've been around so I can see something. And she says, every time I pray, I see black faces. And she says, I feel like, you know, blah, blah. I said, well, guess what? You shouldn't marry me because I'm not going to a place like that. Right? I'm in Australia. I'm in Australia with, at that stage, just white faces. Right? That's where I'm called. She said, I, she's, you know, she thought she was called Africa. And I, I said, well, guess what? I'm not called anywhere but Balfour's. So I said, so I said, we're gonna, we should split up then. Well, anyway, she said, no, no, I'm supposed to marry you, blah, blah, blah. And then just a few years later, a few years ago, we're sitting in Gwinnett and 50% of the congregation African-American. And she looked at me and said, see that? This is what I saw before I married you. I told you I was right. You are a missionary. And I thought, I said, okay, I'm a missionary. All right, okay, I can accept that. Uh, and so again, she was right, it happens all the time. But I want you to know, God and Jane, the fourth member of the Trinity, Pastor Jane, okay. All right, so we're gonna move on to, to talk about 
one of the all-time dreamers, Jacob. Jacob had many dreams. It was Jacob's dreams that kept him going, even though after 20 years of doing it the wrong way, he ended up with great debt. He ended up with all problems. He got nothing. His wages have been changed 10 times. Life is not what it should be. And he has a dream. And I'm gonna talk to you today just about one point real quickly. And then over the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about how, how you turn your dreams into reality. Because it's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing for you to live it out. And there's a process of faith that takes you from dreamland to reality, from a place of vision to a place of living it out. And I wanna equip you because in this room and watching from the other campuses, there are people that God's gonna raise up. I speak it over you today. I declare it over you today. There are people that God's stirring your heart. And if you allow yourself to listen to His voice, He's gonna draw you, whether it's into business, whether it's into a different country, whether it's into, into some new occupation, He's gonna draw you, He's gonna speak to you. And he's gonna say, listen, I want you to chase this dream. I've got this dream for you. I want you to chase after it because I wanna bless you and help you. We read in Genesis 30, this verse. It says, as a result, Jacob's flocks increased rapidly and he became very wealthy. And he became very wealthy with many servants, camels and donkeys. Jacob became wealthy very quickly. Within a few years, he'd gone from nothing to having a large amount of possessions. Now for me, this is not about you getting possessions. This is about how did he go from one place, have a dream, and then this reality takes place? It says this, it says, as a result. And so my question is, as a result of what? What was it that caused the change? I talk to people and I've talked to people over the decades who have these dreams. Most people don't ever achieve their dreams because they don't know how to turn a dream in the fourth dimension to a reality in the third dimension. There is a process. It's not wishful thinking. It's not, the genie's not coming with three wishes, right? He's, there is a process of faith and we wanna teach you that because that equips you to get unstuck, not just with fanciful ideas or these great dreams, but turning them into reality is a, quick, a really important point. So let me give you point number one, you ready? Point number one is this. Jacob knew what he wanted. He described in detail what he wanted. He knew it. If you don't know what your dream is, how do you know when you find it? If you can't describe it in detail, how do you know you've got it? You know, I don't know about you guys, but Pastor Jane loves wrapping gifts. She's a great gift wrapper. She's super creative and she loves to make beautiful gifts, even more beautiful with the wrapping. She puts them under the tree and it's amazing. The boys when they were growing up and now the grandkids, they just run and they look at the wrapping and they get enamoured with the wrapping and they hope that that, what that present's for them. Is this my present, Grandma? Is that my present? Before long, they've taken all the presents. Is that present mine? Is that my present? And of course you know that they can only see the wrapper so they don't really know what is theirs and what belongs to someone else. And... I got thinking about how we are in life. One of the things I've taught our children is this, is that you need to know exactly what you want from a life partner. Let's just move into relationships for a second. You need to know what you want from a life partner. 
So often we are just enamored by the wrapping. We are attracted by the wrapping. And that's okay if the wrapping has the present that belongs to you. It's great if you love the wrapping of the present that belongs to you, but sometimes we're so enamored with the wrapping that when we open the package, we're disappointed because what's inside isn't the thing we were hoping for, isn't what we were looking for. And so I've told my boys, this is how you'll know what you're looking for. And I don't describe the wrapping, I describe the present. I describe the woman. I described to Benjamin who's 19 and his third year of college shortly, third year of uni and single, needing a wife from Australia. I've come here to find one, put in the applications to Pastor Shana and, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's a biblical thing, you know. Uh, Rebecca was found in a foreign land and uh, she was brought back to be the wife of Isaac. So anyway, no, I'm not really, that's not really serious. All right, so I just could see some people getting, oh, he's, he's serious. Really. <laughs> Um, but I've taught Benjamin, and Jane's taught Benjamin, this is the kind, tell me the kind of girl you really want. What, what matches with your personality? What matches characteristics-wise best with you? Why am I doing that to him? Because easily, so easy the wrapping enamors me and I forget about the real present. And the problem with the wrapping, we all know this at Christmas time, I'm so pragmatic, I'm different. If, I, if it was me and I did Christmas presents, everything would just be in the bag from the shop we bought it from. <laughs> Any man in the house believe that's the best way to put presents, right? Just put it under the tree. It says it's from Makita. That's what we want, right? It says it's from, you know, Bunnings. Right, that's easy. No, the women have to wrap it all up and make it all beautiful. Now, we're glad about that, except we can never figure out which is our present. And that's a bit of the problem in life. Sometimes we look at the wrapping and we can't figure out which is our present. If you don't know what's in the present, how will you know it's your present just by looking at the wrapping? Oh, that is a deep word, everybody. So I've trained Benjamin to be able to see through the wrapping, see the present. So when he sees the girl of his dreams, he'll know it's the girl of his dreams because he's been descriptive in the detail of the girl of his dreams. If you want to get your dream, it's gotta be more than some kind of apparition. It's gotta be detailed, clearly written down and detailed what that dream is. You see, the reason we started our first campus in America in Gwinnett County is because it's the most multicultural county. 1.3 million people live in just that county. In the city of Atlanta, it's over six million people and 1.3 million live in that one county and it's the most multicultural county of all. So in our vision to create a multicultural church because we are a church of nations. My grandparents from India, my dad born in India, my dad in Papua New Guinea, me born in Papua New Guinea, we are a family of the nations. So guess what? It's in us to build a multicultural church. You can't just have a vision for it. God put it inside the fabric of my soul. So that's what I'm attracted to. That's what I want. All faces, all ages, all stages, a slice of heaven here on earth, no longer separated by anything but divinely joined by Jesus. That's what we want all over the world. Everywhere we go, that's what we wanna see. And so we were very clear, this is what we're trying to build. We're not trying to build that kind of church. We're trying to build a church for all nations. So we knew when we found the county and I did the demo research for 10 months, that's the place for us to achieve. You have to be deliberate. See, we've got a vision to plant 200 campuses. So because we have a vision, it drives us to action. We're clear about how we should do it. For instance, 
If God speaks to me and says, let's send that person to that nation, great. But I also want people who are from that nation, who happen to come to Australia or to America, who've got a heart for their nation, to say, hey, I wanna go back to my nation. They're the easiest people to send as missionaries because they're used to the culture. Now, it can happen many different ways, but we're very clear. You gotta know what you want. And some of us in this room, God is stirring you up in this new season. There's a new wind of stirring, raising up young men and women, raising up older men and women to go and do great things for God. So here's the exercise I want us to do. I want you to get out your phone. So everyone's got a calculator on your phone. Check your Facebook first, of course, (laughs) or your Instagram. We know how it works. Or go to your notes app. And on your notes app, I want you to multiply your age by 365. Okay, your age by 365. Your age by 365. Wow. All right, then I want you to write down the number. Should be in the 20,000s or the teens, thousands, okay? Now, I want you to look at the number on the screen. What I want you to do is I want you to take the number on the screen and I want you to subtract the number of days that you've just put down, your age times 365, take that number and subtract it from this number and see what you come up with. All right, who ever thought we'd do math in church, eh? Wow. So the number you came up with is the number of days You came up with 5,000. That means you have 5,000 days left on this earth. 5,000 days. Some of us will have 2,000 days. Some of us might have 15,000 days based on this calculation. So I want you to think about what you could do in the next five years. I'm gonna give you some homework to go home with. This is part of this three-part series. I want you to remember it for next week when Pastor Jane speaks. I want you to think about what you do in the next five years. What's five times 365? It's what, is that 1,800 days, maybe, something like that. 1,800 days, 1,900 days, 1,800, is that right? That was just mental math, just shows I still got it. 1,800 days. What could you do in the next five years, the next 1,800 days? Five years is a long time, but it's a very short time. You can either just go through those five years and then then you're still not ahead or you can make a decision that I'm gonna be deliberate, I'm gonna be decisive, I'm gonna write down my vision, I'm gonna make it plain. I'm gonna be clear about what I wanna achieve in the next five years, what I wanna achieve for God, what I wanna achieve for my family, what I wanna achieve for my career, whatever it is, I want you to write it down. Because you only have a few thousand days left. It's not bad news, so you're going to live with Jesus forever. But 
It is still the mortality of our time here on earth is governed by days. So we have this many days. What can I do in the next 1800 days? Five years equals 260 weeks equals 1825 days and 2,333,000 minutes. But let me tell you what can happen in five years. You're ready in five years. Christopher Columbus opened up a whole new world by discovering the Bahamas, Cuba, Hispaniola, and North and South America. In just under five years, Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel. In less than five years, Shakespeare wrote Hamlet, Othello, King Lear, Macbeth, and five other immortal plays. You and I have the same amount of days given to Helen Keller, Louis Pasteur, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson and Albert Einstein. What could you do in the next five years? It only takes five years to do something very significant. What could you do with your future and your life? If you grabbed hold of a dream, and if you grabbed hold of the dream that maybe you put on the shelf and you picked it up and dusted it off and said, I'm going after this dream again. COVID put me on pause, but I'm ready to run again. I'm ready to go after this again. What could you do? There are people that have been developing quietly, quietly developing, and this is a season of acceleration. I believe it's a season of acceleration. It's a season of acceleration and multiplication, and God wants to do it in you. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you, and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.